This is the Sleeper Hold Podcast. Welcome to the Sleeper Hole Podcast, where there is no disqualification on the topics and falls count anywhere. I am your host, Priest, and we have a bit of a special episode for you all. First off, I just wanted to say that since our last episode, we have seen a great pay-per-view and follow-up on Raw with Brock Lesnar and Undertaker trying to destroy each other. Taker's crazed look had my wife laughing as she classified it as the same crazy eyes our little silver lab gives when she's starting to play a bit too rough. Also, Pinfall Wrestling Association had a good show with Take Me Out to the Brawl Game 2. But, alright, we are going to get back into business with this one. First off, we are continuing with our second series called Behind the Curtain, while also touching on the controversy of the wrestling legend Hulk Hogan. And if anyone doesn't know what is going on, don't worry. I've got a lot of homework for us on this one, So as we look behind the curtain with the second episode of the series, let's lock up with a topic called The Card. The Card is defined as the layout of the event or show. It will often list all matches, promos, and anything else going on in the show, and it's usually meant to make sure everything runs smoothly and in a timely manner as much as possible. It is common knowledge, yet worth mentioning to the fans as well as right here, that the card is always subject to change. You never know when something may not go as planned, and that's the interesting part of wrestling. And this isn't just with local companies. Big companies like the WWE have had to make last-minute changes to their card from what they initially advertised. Just look at the most recent pay-per-view, Battleground. We were expecting a triple-threat match for the Intercontinental title with Ryback, Big Show, and The Miz. But when Ryback became injured, that match was scratched for now. Honestly, though, as much as I wanted to see that match, I think it was for the better as we got to see more time to highlight the Divas Revolution. So one thing when setting up the card that most companies do is they kind of work backwards. They focus on the top of the card first, which is going to be your main event matches, your title matches, or anything else that has been heavily hyped up, like a major grudge match. Of course, your main event is set to be the last match on the card, and is usually a big draw to the show. Think of when WCW gave the fans the match they have wanted to see forever with Hulk Hogan going against Ric Flair. That was the main draw of the show, and rightfully the main event. Everyone wanted to see Brock Lesnar take down Seth Rollins. So aside from this being the title match, it had also all the mechanics of being a main event. At SummerSlam, the main draw is the feud between Brock Lesnar and The Undertaker. So even though this isn't really a title match or anything, it is a huge grudge match. It is very hyped up. So don't be surprised if this becomes the main event of the pay-per-view. Next up is the mid-card. 
This is where you have recognizable and loved superstars who are either building their feud or are not seen as being the spotlight of the shows during this time. Sometimes they are lucky to be main event material, but more often than not, it's not the case. What's a shame is that usually the people who are in the mid-card are extremely talented and hold so much potential, but they're not given the break they deserve for a big spot in the company. Sometimes they are even more of a draw than the main event storyline. They are, however, usually the ones to go after the title or titles that are not on the top tier championship. For example, with WWE, you have the Intercontinental title and the United States title. So, one example of a good superstar in this area, think of Dolph Ziggler. This young man is considered a mid-card talent as he occasionally has his matches in the middle of the show and is more often than not going after what is considered the mid-card titles. Now, this isn't saying Ziggler hasn't held the WWE Championship, or Heavyweight Championship for that case, because he has twice. But when it comes to booking, they usually focus on keeping him in the middle. For a while there, I thought they were finally going to bring him to the top card status as they had him be the winner of the Survivor Series for Team Cena and cause the authority to be fired. They really made Dolph Ziggler shine to the point where I thought he was going to be the next big name. It's a shame they didn't though with how talented he is, but hey, at least he's got the hottie Lana right now. Right guys? And last part of the card to be filled is often called the undercard, which is often where the newer talent is usually booked, some lesser known talent will be booked, and usually placed in the start or as a filler of the show. This is where it is perfect for anyone who is starting out in the company to make a lasting impression and help themselves move up the ranks. Think Neville real quick. Started out coming to WWE, big card or big group from NXT, he was right there in the undercard. He started out early. He was not really having any plot, anything like that. He was early in the show. And look how impressive that young man is. With all that he has done, he has pretty much shot himself straight up to mid-card status. And honestly, give him a year or two, I would not be surprised if we see him as top card. Now, these guys, again, they don't usually participate in major storylines or matches just yet. They're just, you know, trying to make themselves known. If they make a strong enough impression, they do move up the hierarchy really fast and find themselves in a story very soon. Again... Neville, he's now in a feud with Stardust. Here's also where you have what talent often call the Curtain Jerker. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's a terrible name and I can't help but giggle about it. But seriously, the Curtain Jerker is a talent who usually kicks off the show and is the first to arrive to the ring. A good example of this is actually someone who has been seen as a high-end talent and the face of the company, John Cena. He is as well as Seth Rollins lately. Lately, the people who will kick off the show while starting with a promo or something about what's going to happen. The curtain jerker for this last Monday Night Raw was actually the authority. They came out to let us know what's going on with the show. Usually, though, that name, the curtain jerker, again, I'm trying not to laugh here, 
is going to be distinguished for one, maybe two people. So don't think that anybody who walks out there at the very beginning is always going to be called that. It's usually distinguished for certain specific people. So that's a bit of the concept of how a card usually works. What is great, though, is that many local companies try to avoid the last step in this layout and make everyone be of mid-card potential or top-tier talent. Now, I can't say that this is for all companies, because I have seen the exact opposite and worse from certain companies, but a good deal of them have, you know, stepped it up, and I've talked to them, I've visited them, or even watched their shows live or on YouTube, and they really do try to do what's best for their talent. Another thing you don't see too often with independent companies like you would in the national big dogs is talent who are often referred to as jobbers. Now, to be honest, these have even died down a little bit compared to how they were in the 80s and early 90s. But first, we should probably clarify on what a jobber is. These are the talents who are hired to routinely lose their matches in order to build credibility for other wrestlers in their roster. They have also sometimes been called the no-names, since they usually are, more often than not, going to be promoted on the flyers or end up in just being in squash matches. They're not really going to be anything that people would think about hyping up. Back in the days, the WCW and WWF wars, they were said to have these jobbers actually be local talents of wherever the company would visit. So the local talent would be recognized by their you know, local city and they'd have a chance to say they worked with the big shots, but also they would not expect to be paid that much since they were just in it for that one night only and not a huge contract. Again, this is hearsay, and I'm hoping to get a hold of a few of my friends who have worked inside WCW and confirm or have this you know, be debunked. But even with jobbers, there were ranks that were held in those positions. And this you do kind of see even today. Your pure jobbers lose pretty much to everyone. These are definitely your classic form of the no-names that were mentioned earlier. You then have the jobbers to the stars, which is like the second rank. These guys are a bit higher who will win matches of their own, but are still pretty sure to lose matches to established stars. Lately, these have been people like one of my favorites, Zack Ryder. Yes, right, I'm a broski. But, you know, what sucks is that Zack Ryder used to be a mid-card wrestler who looked like he was going to make it to the top tier. Then he slowly started to fall down the ranks to what is the top rank of the jobbers, which is what we call a glorified jobber. These jobbers not only defeat other jobbers, but also some mid-card wrestlers in their matches. Again, Zack Ryder's not there anymore, but he was a glorified jobber for a while. Now he seems to be more of the uh, jobber of the stars. Anyway, back to the glorified jobbers. It's a bit sickening to me because, again, you see the passion and sheer talent these guys have. They love wrestling. And they never get the push they deserve. Now, one thing also is a great example of a person who is a mid-card and could be considered a glorified jobber at his time. 
as of recently is not only Dolph Ziggler, but someone who anyone could probably remember and associate with, especially since he's now a uh, judge of Tough Enough. And we're talking about Daniel Bryan. Remember the whole Daniel Bryan and the authority and their whole he's a B-plus player type gimmick before he finally won the championship he deserved at WrestleMania? Yeah, that's the perfect example. While also showing why I have so much frustration with how things are set up nowadays for the mid-card talent and who the recent focal points of the WWE are. These people are extremely talented, yet they never get the push they deserve and they mid-card easily becomes those glorified jobbers when they are more than just a B-plus player. Here at the Sleeper Hold Podcast, we strongly believe in helping others. Therefore, we have decided to feature a charity every quarter that we are supporting and invite you to support as well. Following his induction into this year's WWE Hall of Fame, we have decided to make our first charity, Connor's Cure. Head on over to our website at thesleeperhold.com and click on Connor's Cure on the right side of the page for more information. All right, it's time for the second half of our show. And as I said, we are going to be touching on what can be considered a very tender topic. The controversy of Hulk Hogan. Now, let me get a few things clear. We are going to talk about the information that I researched on what happened and then we will finish up with my thoughts. Another thing I want to make really clear here is that I don't often use the word hate, but when it comes to the N-word, I absolutely hate it. I am also not going to sit here and say things like, Oh, Hogan deserves a clean and complete pass. But we're going to get to that later on, too. So with that being said, all love to everyone, but this is a topic that I would be a fool to ignore. So let's get to a bit of the backstory and research. I have done a lot of homework from various sites, sources, and tried to catch as much of the actual recordings, transcripts, etc. that I could. So without further ado, the controversy of Hulk Hogan. The WWE contract with Hulk Hogan has not only been terminated by Hogan himself, but the wrestling icon has also been scrubbed from the WWE as much as possible. Hogan cannot be found on their website as in his bio, any merchandise, practically anything that would be there for him. He's not found on Tough Enough's website. He's not even going to be starring anymore in WWE 2K16. The only thing he is still on is the WWE Network videos. He has been, in lack of a better term, Benoit. So what happened to cause this? A few things, and all tied to racist comments. One is a 2012 radio interview. Another is on a recording of Hogan acting racist towards The Rock and others, as well as a racist rant that was recorded over a leaked sex tape that is still being reviewed in court. In 2012, there was a radio interview where Hogan is heard repeatedly using the N-word, the one with the A at the end, and only once with the one that has an E-R at the end. To me, it doesn't matter. The person who interviewed Hogan on that 2012 radio episode, DJ Wu Kid, had stated in a tweet that there was nothing racist about the interview. I listened to the recording, and he was talking about 
back in WCW times when Booker T had called him the, the N-word, the one with the E-R at the end, mind you, during a promo. Following that, many black people in Florida began to call Hogan the N-word with an A at the end afterwards and encouraged him to use the word as well as if accepting him into their brotherhood, if you will, and then mentioned how after being called it for so long, he had admittedly began using the word as well with those select few people. Hogan then also said that all of a sudden people began to be up in arms against him about how he can't use that word, followed by Hogan asking if it makes any sense that they can use the word so freely but get so upset when someone who isn't black uses the word. I don't think Hogan was trying to start anything, but just show how much of a double standard the situation we are being exposed to really is. Now, what is interesting is that after all this hype had happened, even Booker T admitted that he did a stupid thing by using that word so long ago during that promo, but he also turned around and said how shocked he was to hear Hogan using the word in the various recordings. Now, I have a lot of respect for Booker T. He's one of my favorites. But this does make me feel a bit shocked to see him play both sides of the fence. I feel bad for what I said so many years ago, but how dare Hogan say the same thing almost a decade ago? Come on, Book. It just seems like you're playing to make sure you're on the payroll's favor. Another accusation is that the hoax stated how he didn't like wrestling with black people while making racist comments towards Dwayne The Rock Johnson, calling him racist names referring to Samoans, as well as calling Rock a half-breed. I searched everywhere I could with every search phrase, filter, combination, anything I could think of, and I still could not find the audio of Hogan actually saying these things about The Rock or any transcripts of this accusation in the dialogue. I did find some sites, though, that did mention how this was false and discredited because of these allegations that they were actually false and somebody had made them up just to stir the pot. So, until I have confirmation either way, I am not even going to consider this evidence. Now, we get to the real big detail. This is what really kind of caused everything to happen. During the sex tape that Hogan has been involved in Hogan is heard admitting that he is even a little bit racist to some point before he starts dropping the n-word on several occasions including sometimes with the f-bomb dropping just before on certain various moments what is Hogan ranting about mainly his frustration with his daughter being Brooke and her dating life Hogan also was not made aware of this conversation that was being recorded, let alone the sex tape itself that ended up being leaked and sold. Also, from what I have read, the audio file that is in question here appears suddenly in the file of, from the sexual footage and is not consistent with what was going on in the filming. So it kind of seems like it's another recording outside of that tape spliced into the feed making it even more seem like it's not only was Hogan unaware of the recording, but it seems like someone was trying to hope that with these videos being sold, they'd be able to, uh, you know, surprise viewers with some information to destroy Hogan's name. 
I don't think that whoever was selling these or anything like that before they sell them on the market reviewed the tapes to go, hey, this isn't consistent. Just the editor plopped them all in. And just my opinion on that part, but still, let's keep going here. This is a lot of illegal action going on here. I don't know how it goes in all the other states, but here in Illinois, you can't do stuff like that. Now, as for the fact that I am trying to keep this clean for all the viewers, I'm not going to read the transcripts of the audio content. And also, as of today, there's now been websites stating that Hogan allegedly name-dropped Jamie Foxx in the recording. So, I'm just confused here. Okay, these actual transcripts are supposedly stored away in the court so nobody can hear the audio. But these five sources somehow were able to leak it out to the public, to the press, and everything else. So we had consistent transcripts of from five different sources about all that we knew already. And then all of a sudden, oh, hey, by the way, Jamie Foxx was dropped on that too. Okay, how come we're now getting this just now and not last week when this whole thing really started happening? It just seems really kind of fishy to me, guys. Hogan, though... He even apologized for this try, try, his rant. I always have a hard time with that word. And stated it was unacceptable and inconsistent with his beliefs and who he truly is. He did also say there is no excuse for his words, but I think it's more powerful to read part of his statement. So without further ado, I'm going to give you his actual statement. Hogan said, and I quote, Eight years ago, I used offensive language during a conversation. It was unacceptable for me to have used that offensive language. There is no excuse for it, and I apologize for having done it. This is not who I am. I believe very strongly that every person in the world is important and should not be treated differently based on race, gender, orientation, religious beliefs, or otherwise. I am disappointed with myself that I use language that is offensive and inconsistent with my own beliefs. It is not who I am. I continue to work every day to improve as a person, and this matter is an important learning experience for me in that regard. As a result, I am resigning from my contractual relationship with the WWE. End quote. But while we are also talking about the world of wrestling, let's not forget that segment on national TV where WWE's own Vincent Kennedy McMahon was talking to John Cena and told him to keep it up and drop the N-word as well. Well, you know, as if he's trying to be hip with the times. Just before he started straightening away and walked past Booker T and Queen Charmel. But wait, it's supposedly okay for the WWE to get away with this back in the 2005 it's only because it was a skit and now you it's not okay now you can't have it both ways guys just saying now hogan has had many of his friends and celebrities come to his defense including dennis rodman who guest wrestled as a tag team partner for hogan back in wcw do I even need to remind everyone of the first WrestleMania where Hogan's tag team partner of choice was? Mr. T, I pity the foo. Tito Ortiz and George Foreman have defended him, and even wrestling superstars like the formerly named Disco Inferno and Virgil came to his defense. 
Virgil even said, and I quote, You can only judge a person based on past experience. Hulk Hogan has never given me a reason to believe he is a racist. End quote. Brooke, Hogan's daughter, even wrote a beautiful poem in her father's defense, and I truly enjoyed what it said. It's a bit long, so I'm not going to try to read it here. Now that you have the research, let me share some insight that I have come to after so much thinking on this topic. Originally, I was very strongly on the fence. But after doing some homework, here's what I've got. And if you don't agree with me, that's fine. I only ask that you have done your homework, too, and not just basing your opinion off of the little things you may catch on Twitter, Reddit, or Facebook. First off, I truly do not condone anyone using the N-word, regardless if it ends in the E-R or ends in A. I hate that word. I hate when anyone says it, no matter their racial background, their celebrity background, like an athlete, actor, or musician, whatever. It's a stupid word that is used in ignorance, and yes, it has been used out of hatred as well. But I also realized something much like many other racist words, even ones that I have been called, it is a word that can only hurt me if I allow it. So when it came to Hogan's radio interview... It didn't faze me so much when he was telling the story about Booker T and all that stuff. Do I think the words were necessary to tell the story? No, but whatever. Do I think Hogan would have said those things about The Rock? Not at all. So what about the big issue, the recording of Hogan's secret adult film? Let me break it down a bit. If we were to get rid of the racist part... We would see a very frustrated father with his daughter's decisions on a rant, and he probably had bottled up for so long and in his frustration made poor choices on how to word it. But the words were there. I can't deny it any more than the next person. Did Hogan say he's a little bit racist? Yes. But how racist exactly? Who knows? I know many people who could be accused of being racist because they make comments about stereotypes of various people of different racial backgrounds. Again, I'm not defending Hogan and saying that it's what he meant. Just giving food for thought. I also look at it like this, and please, humor me real quick. If this was anyone else, a common dad, it may be someone also accused of being a racist, but would it lead to such actions as this has become? Who knows? What if it was a black man who said all these things? Well, surely he just didn't approve of the type of kid his daughter was dating. Even if we got rid of the N-word and replaced it with some other insult to a different race, like a race insult to white people, cracker, it wouldn't have blown up this much if i that's how I feel. I'm sure it probably wouldn't have. Maybe I'm wrong. But that's the big thing with me about this whole situation. And it goes into so many other things that are going on today that would just take me way off topic. But lately, as Americans, we have become very ridiculous and full of double standards. And this is just one of the many examples. Why is it if the N-word is dropped, all hell breaks loose? But if someone is called a word to insult a Caucasian or Italian, as I have been on many various occasions, it's often ignored as ignorance and not something that causes people to go bananas over. Granted, when someone calls me a cracker, I only laugh about it asking, am I a saltine or a Ritz? 
But what it really does bother me is when I'm called one of the various racial comments and slurs because of my Italian bloodline. I think the big other thing here that we need to remember is that celebrities, be it musicians, actors, athletes, politicians, whatever, they are always in the spotlight. They never truly do get that chance to be out of it like they may wish for. So with that, they have to be even more cautious of what they say, how they present themselves, how they act, everything. If they make any mistake that is not acceptable by social norms, the media is all over it. Especially when it is a case like this one. But here's something I really... It's, it's really bothered me, and I, so I want to ask this, and please let me be serious and ask this right now and see if anyone... Anyone can please give me a justifiable answer and not something that is also ignorant. How come certain words that stem from a term of insult, hatred, and classifying someone as inferior are considered okay for some people to say, but are a cardinal sin if spoken by others? You can't have it both ways, people. It needs to be the same throughout and be flipping consistent. Capiche? All right, deep breath. Let's get to some final thoughts on this and on Hogan. Do I think Hogan is a racist? Not at all. I've seen the man in footage in and out of the ring show love to men, women, and children of all races, all creeds, all colors, all ethnicities, and all sexual preferences. Could it be all just a show for the camera? Sure. But for it to take this long, over 30 years of his career, for something like this to happen, that's not likely that he's actually a racist. Especially when Hogan had so much pull while being all buddy-buddy with his friend Eric Bischoff in the WCW times, and yet he still picked Dennis Rodman to be his tag team partner. A black guy. I think he let his frustration and temper get to the best of him in regards to his daughter and her boyfriend at the time. Do I think it is okay the choice of words he used? Not at all. And as I quoted earlier, neither does he. Hogan has publicly made his apology and even resigned himself from the WWE contract and judge of Tough Enough. I feel his apology is sincere, and I think he did a respectful thing by resigning that way, nothing causes a negative shadow on the WWE as well. So was that a fair punishment? Without a doubt. But to give Hulk Hogan the Benoit treatment and to do all you can to pretty much give a complete scrubbing to the first icon of Vince McMahon's wrestling empire, that to me is going pretty overboard. Do I think this may damage Hulkamania? It's very possible, but I don't see it dying. As long as there is one Hulkamaniac, it will live on. I just think that this has unfortunately got caught in the storm of everything else bad going on in this time that is of similar sensitivity, and that's why it has blown up out of control to where not many people are willing to do all of their homework on the topic. Alright, I've said my piece, and I know I may have some people who agree with me, some people disagree, and some people end up giving me a lot of hate for this. And you know what? That's okay. It's my freedom of speech that allows me to speak my mind on this, and everyone else has their equal and welcomed freedom of speech and thought as well to think, feel, and say how they feel on this topic as well. 
that's one reason why I did this podcast. I welcome those type of things. All right. With all that being said, I'd love to hear your input on the topic. Head on over to our website at thesleeperhold.com and comment on this post. Much love to you all, and we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you for listening to the Sleeper Hold podcast. Don't forget to visit our website at thesleeperhold.com to comment on episodes, read our blog, for information about the quarterly charity, and more. See you in two weeks.